Who's ready for the word today? If you're just joining us, um, we have been in a message series for weeks, past number of weeks. Uh, today is part five. And we've been going through the books of the prophets, especially the minor prophets, which there are 12 of those books, but there have been a lot of uh, references to the other prophetic books as well, the major prophets. And what you find is the prophets uh, of, of God really spoke to his people and even surrounding nations for a period of almost 400 years. But there was incredible consistency in many of the messages that were spoke. And there were a lot of patterns in principles that were relevant right then, of course, near-term application. Many things that we can look at and see are relevant to future application, most importantly, the return of Jesus Christ and the second coming, things that are even yet to be fulfilled. But there are patterns and principles that are still at play even in our lives today that we can trust, that we can follow, and that we need to hear. I can say it like this. Every generation needs to hear these things afresh, right? They need to get in our heart. We need to stand on and own the promises of God for ourselves in every generation, not just rely on what previous generations have built. There are foundations that have been laid, but we continue to build up in our own faith. Does that make sense, right? Uh, And so the prophets have come along, and they help the people to correct things or see things that are either going wrong or have the potential to go very wrong. And There is this consistent pattern which says all through Scripture, if we follow God's ways, there are blessings that come from that. If we reject God's ways, there are consequences that come from that. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? But that is truth. That is truth. That if we are walking in a pattern that is against what God's Word says and how we should live, and there's plenty of examples, of course, that we could give all across the board on what that would look like, and every one of us have done that or do that, but the point is, is that God's word gets us back on track. It's not okay to keep going in that direction, and God warns us not because he's some just big taskmaster, because he loves us so much that he's concerned about the increasing destruction that we will walk into if we continue down a path of waywardness, right? Waywardness leads to destruction, and people need to hear that. They need to know that and understand that because I think a lot of times there are people who are headed in waywardness and they're, they're starting to experience the destruction and the dis, uh, disheartening and discouragement and all the things that come along with God saying, okay, I'm not going to bless a wayward path. If you're going to go down that road, I'm not going to bless that path. And so then they continue to experience the, the destruction that comes from that, but then Instead of understanding that the reasons for that are because they're wayward, they just think, oh, the devil is up to something against me. Now, the devil may very well be attacking, 
But it's not that he is attacking because it's just some innocent, you know, oh, man, I'm just, you know, praise God, I'm just walking out God's plan for my life, and he's attacking me for it. Now, that happens, but all I'm saying is that there are times when people are just walking in waywardness, and it's not okay to not acknowledge that and think, oh, man, everything is just fine, and I'm just, get, I'm just under attack right now. Because that attack is not going to lift if that person continues going wayward. Does that make sense? And so the prophets help to remind us of that. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to go back to the book of Joel. We've been through a number of uh, individual books and kind of covered broadly those books of Micah, Joel, Amos, and Zephaniah and uh, pulled out some of the major themes in each of those books. I want to go back to the book of Joel today because when I preached on this one, there was a particular major prominent theme that I didn't even have time to properly theologically unpack in the midst of doing the message around the Valley of Decision. And I need to go back there. It's very important. So go to Joel chapter 2. And uh, let's just begin by reading some verses. We're going to do 21 through 24, and then 28 and 29. And again, the Lord is speaking to the people through the prophet. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. Do not be afraid, you beasts of the field, For the open pastures are springing up, and the tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their strength. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. And here comes one of the prominent themes. For he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you. The former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floors shall be full of wheat and the vats shall overflow with new wine. Let's actually pause right there. I'm not going to jump to 28 yet. So this major theme comes out in Joel that you see many other places of the Bible. But when you understand what this principle of the former and latter rain mean not only physically in the near-term application but also spiritually for all believers, then you begin to understand that Joel, uh, beyond all the other prophets, is the most prominent for speaking about the future outpouring of the Holy Spirit that would come on the day of Pentecost. And the, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that God promises to his children that we can continue to live under in an increasing fashion until the time that Jesus returns. So in order to understand that, I just need to explain to you how the former and latter reign works. And this will be very easy, I think, to understand, especially here in the heartland of America, where agriculture is a thriving industry. And, and rain obviously affects that. So in Israel, in the land uh, where the prophets were, their seasons are, are kind of opposite. The fall is actually their early season. That's their planting season the, for, for what our fall would be. Their spring would be, or our spring would be their harvest season. So coming into our fall... What happens is the farmers 
are planting, they're tilling the ground, they're planting their crops, and then there is an expectation for part of God's promised provision that rain, which is referred to as the early rain, will come. It is a downpour, an early saturation. And what that rain does, the early rain that the farmers are dependent upon, planting seeds, scattering ground, tilling the soil, that early rain has to come and saturate the ground so that all the seeds that have been sown can germinate and take root in the soil and then begin to grow. The early rain is very important for the establishment of the harvest that's yet to come. You follow me so far? So then we look at the rest of the growing season. And throughout the rest of the growing season, there is steady rain. It just gradually waters the ground and causes the crops to grow or mature. They're continuing to grow up in different stages and different cycles to eventually be all that they can be. Then you go to the final part of our spring, their harvest season, and then you come to the time that is referred to as the latter rain. What is the latter rain? Well, just much like the early rain, the latter rain is another downpouring season. It's a time when God drenches the ground again, but at this point, the crops are mostly mature and the fruit is mostly mature on the vine or on the stalk. And that last little downpour in a short amount of time just fully ripens the fruit and the crop so that once that latter rain has hit, the farmers can go in at the right time and they can harvest everything that's there for their year. Does that make sense? So, in God's Word, going back to Deuteronomy, going back to Leviticus, what you would find is that He made a promise to His people. He said, if you will obey me, you will follow me, and you can find this in Deuteronomy 11, Leviticus 26, okay? If you will follow me, if you will obey me, then I will be faithful to provide for you the early and latter rain. So, God makes a promise that I will provide everything that's needed for every stage and cycle that I have designed and created. And get this, church, and you need to understand that there is no other source that can provide that for you. <laughs> Only God can make it rain. <laughs> Only God can make it rain, which I love because God is just so smart, isn't he? Because if he has to be the one to make it rain, in the early rain, in the steady rain, in the latter rain, then you know what that means? It means that we are always dependent on him. And we need to remember that. We need to acknowledge that. So that at any point, whatever provision God has planned to give us, it is futile to think by our own hand or by worldly ways that we can meet those needs and provide for ourselves. The enemy will try to trick you and deceive you and make you think you can, but you'll never be fulfilled in your soul by the way those things come. You'll come up empty. But God says, 
but I'll take care of you. He says, if you'll walk with me and obey me, then I'll be faithful to make it rain. The early, the latter, at every stage and in every cycle. So God says, you'll never go without. You'll always have what you need. But you need to stay in faith the whole way through. Because here's what he also says. If you read in Deuteronomy, you'll see this. He says, if you turn away, turn your heart, go wayward, begin to sin, and don't repent when you, whenever it's acknowledged to you. If you continue to turn away, here's what he says. He says, I'll close up the heavens. I won't make it rain. I'm sure I don't need to tell you that when it doesn't rain, things don't go well. So we understand the physical application, I think. Physical provision. It's part of how God meets our needs. God is providential, which means he provides everything we need. Physical, material, emotional, and spiritual. So there's not just a physical application. The crops and the harvest and the ground and the land, yes, they're all part of that. It's part of the package. But there's a spiritual parallel as well. Because if you go to the book of Acts, chapter 2, and I'm I'm just kind of skipping over reading these. You can read this later. But in Acts, chapter 2, the day of Pentecost arrives, and the Holy Spirit is poured out for the first time in a different kind of way. Now, the Holy Spirit has been the active agent of the Godhead on the earth all through time. But what we see is that God pours his spirit out in a profound and new way that initiates what Jesus refers to as a new covenant. The Holy Spirit gets poured out. It says it gets poured out over sons and daughters, over maidservants and male servants, over young and old. They begin to have dreams and visions and they prophesy. Miraculous signs and wonders begin to happen. So the rain is a foreshadow to the Holy Spirit. The way the early rain and the latter rain works is also how God's designed the operation of the Holy Spirit to operate in the church. I'm going to show you that. But what I want you to think about as we go through this today is, am I experiencing God's rain? <laughs> is, is the Holy Spirit operating in my life to provide and sustain for me in the way that God wants to do? Or am I seeking other means? Because one of the things that God reminds them, also in Deuteronomy, is he says, this land that you're going into, the promised land, it's not like the land that you've come out of. Just go ahead and draw the parallels here, because Egypt is bondage and sin and slavery. Canaan is promised land and freedom and destiny, forgiveness of sin, removal of bondage, okay? He says, the land that you're coming out of, Egypt, it's not like the land I'm taking you into, Canaan. He said, in Egypt, you had to dig trenches to irrigate your your vegetable gardens. You tried to do it by hand, man-made ways to provide for your needs. In Canaan, he said, I water the ground. I bring the brooks. I bring the streams. There's no hand irrigation. And it's not vegetable gardens. It's abundance of crops and harvest all through your life. But here's what we do, folks. 
here's what, all through time, we begin to forget or come under doubt or disbelief or we drift away. We forget that God is the one who's making it rain and wants to continue to make it rain and wants to raise those crops up to be plentiful and abundant in our life. Peace, joy, the witness for, the, for God that you have with people that you know. I mean, your ability to resist darkness, your ability to understand revelation from the word of God. These are all Holy Spirit empowered things. But we drift away and we... We dig trenches, <laughs> and we plant vegetable gardens, and God says, what are you doing? I got an abundance over here of harvest, and I'm a God who opens the heavens and makes it rain. I want it rain on you. I don't want you digging trenches in vegetable gardens. Oh, hallelujah. So point number one, if you were taking notes, is the early and the latter rain. So... Looking at, at time as, as far as the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Peter in Acts 2, he says this. So it's, it's undeniable. It's not debatable, okay? Peter says, this thing that you're seeing right now of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And remember what Jesus said? He said, I want you to go into the city and I want you to wait until you're endued with power on high before you go out and do the mission that I have for you. So basically saying, you, you need to get wet with rain before you try to go do a mission that God has for you. Because the mission needs to be marked by power. The mission needs to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. If you go out there on your own, you're never going to succeed. He said, wait for power, then go out. So then the Holy Spirit gets poured out, and Peter says... Because they're all confused. They're, they're praying in other tongues and languages, but yet they understand these other languages. They're declaring God's goodness. I mean, sure, it's never seen anything like this before, right? But can I just tell you something? God doesn't work within a box ever, <laughs> ever. And so they're seeing something new, and they're confused, and they say, these people are drunk. They're drunk. And then Peter says, they're not drunk, because it's only the third hour of the day. Now, in some places, that would still be acceptable, right? I guess at 5 o'clock somewhere. But he says that's, that's not what's happening. They're not drunk. He says, listen, this is what the prophet Joel spoke about. What I just read to you when we opened up. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit on sons and daughters. Right. In fact, let's go there, verse 28. And 29, I didn't read that before. It says, It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. Also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Peter in Acts 2 quotes those exact passages when the Holy Spirit is raining down on them. And he says, Guys, this is what's happening. It's raining. That, from a, a theological standpoint, would be considered the early rain. When the Holy Spirit came at the day of Pentecost, it, it 
changed everything about the way God's spirit relates to his people because of what Jesus did on the cross had been accomplished and finished. So it broke the chasm, created a bridge, and now justifiably, according to God's ways, he could now come and fellowship with man again in a different manner. And so the Holy Spirit is being poured out. That's the early rain. Because it's the downpour that waters the ground of the seeds that the prophets have been speaking about of the Messiah to come. And it takes root and germinates in the ground and gets ready to grow. And that becomes the beginning of what many times in the you know, Bible scholars refer to as the church era. Boom, the church is born. Jesus says, I'm going to build my church Ah, so listen to this. So then, I'm getting excited. So then the latter rain, <laughs> you like that, Lily? All right. The latter rain, which is yet to come, marks the time before believers are caught up in the sky away with God and Jesus returns in the second coming. And here's why that is. Because the final rain, the latter rain, which if you think about this, this is what that means. Times get really, really tough during the tribulation and before Christ comes. But sometimes people have the wrong idea that just because there's tribulation and difficulty that the church is weak and impotent and shy and scared, I beg to differ. There is a latter rain that comes. It saturates the ground. There is an uprising of God's church before he returns. Jesus comes back for a glorious and spotless bride. He is preparing her for the end. And that latter rain of the downpour of the Holy Spirit on the earth, my, what it's going to look like, is going to ripen all of the fruit on the stalks. It's the preparation for the final harvest and all the rest of the souls that are being brought into the kingdom of God are going to be one to him. And then Jesus is going to come back right after the latter rain pours down. Hmm. That's good stuff. Hmm. Listen to Zechariah chapter 10 verse 1. Zechariah speaking about it, another minor prophet. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. Wow. Okay, so, the, so, so we can say the rain is the Holy Spirit active in our lives. The power of God flowing and moving through our lives. In supernatural ways, not natural ways. Things that are impossible with man, but not impossible with God. And Zechariah says, pray for rain in the time of the latter rain. Now you might read that and not catch this, but this is a big deal. Because here's what he's basically saying. Think about this. Pray for rain while it's raining. Did you get that? Pray for rain while it's raining. Well, it's raining. Why would I pray for rain? Hmm. Because the provision of God is steady and consistent and always requires a place of faith in our hearts to continue raining over us. He says, yeah, it's raining right now. Keep praying for rain. Pray for the rain tomorrow. Pray for the rain the next day. 
don't stop praying for rain. You see, the Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. So what you and I need to believe, and how do we believe this? We believe it because the word of God says it. And so we, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. So when we read it, faith is supernaturally embirthed in us by the Holy Spirit. And now we have something of substance to stand on, which our faith has leverage for. The point is, I have to believe for the provision of God to keep flowing in my life. See, sometimes, how do I say this? Sometimes people misappropriate the sovereignty of God to absolve them from the responsibility of their own faith in the moment for the activation of God's promises. Yes, he's sovereign, and his will will be performed. But God says that my faith is required for the things that he wants to do in my life to come to pass. Does it make sense? And so sometimes, (laughs) you know, so, so... Pentecost is the early rain. It, it already happened. Latter rain is still to come. So point number two, if you're taking notes here in the message today, is we, what are we in right now? We're in a time of steady rain. Steady rain. I could say it to you like this. Guys, we live under an open heaven. He's, God's already opened it up. He's already poured his spirit out. And he says, it's, it's raining, and it's going to continue raining until the time of the latter rain. But faith is required to stay under the rain. And I need rain. I need the Holy Spirit to be an effective witness for Christ. I need the Holy Spirit to resist darkness. I need the Holy Spirit to be able to speak with boldness. Did you know the apostles in Acts chapter 4, they said, God, give us the ability to speak with boldness because they were being intimidated by officials of the day telling them to shut up and be quiet and don't talk about God. And they said, well, whether it's right to stop talking about God and, and, and you judge, but for us, we cannot do but what we've seen and told we're going to continue to talk about. And then they pray, God, give us boldness to to stand against these things and keep talking about you. You know what it says? He poured out the Holy Spirit and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak and pray with boldness. Now, I just want to mention one other thing to you. When he poured out the Holy Spirit to these believers, these were believers that were already there at Pentecost. So they already had the initial baptism of the Holy Spirit, but they are now being what the Bible refers to in other places as continually filled. Continually filled. They're continuing to get rained on. They're continuing to have impartation of the Holy Spirit, but which is re- faith is required for. And as they are, they can go out and be bold witnesses. They can resist darkness and listen. And they can do it in love and compassion. And I don't know about you, but I have no faith or confidence in the flesh of Matt Heck to do that. I require I de- I, I abs- it, it, it demands the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in my life to be able to walk that out. But see, when the Holy Spirit comes, it's supernatural. And so sometimes, here's what happens. People think, well, I want Jesus, but I'm not so sure about the Holy Spirit. It just depends on how he acts. 
<laughs> right? Well, I don't know about that guy. <laughs> I'm going to I'm have to kind of get to know him a little bit first before I'm going to let him in. God works outside a box, our box. And so a lot of times, religiosity can become bondage. Because we resist or we reject what God wants to do. Because we don't like how it looks. Or because it's different than what we've ever seen. You know what I've learned about people? It is a really big deal to let go of what you think you already know to lay hold of something new that you've never seen. When did that ever become something we couldn't do? Maybe, maybe God just needs to open people's eyes. It's okay to, to change our mind. It's okay to see new things. So you know what? I used to think this. I used to, I used to believe this, and I, now I've, I've seen the truth, and I don't, I don't believe that anymore. But it's like a really big deal sometimes for people to let go of ways that they thought they knew and just shed them to lay hold of something new that's better for them. And unfortunately, people will hang on and cling to those old things just because they don't want to let go instead of laying hold of something new that God has for them. And you know what happens when people do that? It's raining all over the place. And they do this. Well, God's raining. He's moving. I I just want to encourage you. God's moving in the world. He's moving in the earth. He's doing great things all over the place. Not just in our area. Not just in our nation. He's doing great things all over the world. You know what's happening in China? Underground churches, millions of people. I mean, it looks very different than it does here. I promise you that. Their corporate worship looks way different. God's doing great things in different ways all over the world. But people who are unwilling to receive what the Holy Spirit has to offer, they just, it's like they walk around like this with an umbrella. And the rain can't get to them. The rain can't get to them because they're rejecting or they're denying or, or they're just not hungry for what God wants to do. And so they're walking around and they're just digging little waterways for the vegetable garden, meaning I'm living according to natural limitations and natural provision. I'm trading supernatural provision, power, destiny that would mark my life for God for natural solutions and remedies that can be reasoned or logically explained. Hmm. But God says it's steady rain until the time that he will return. You know what I think? The Lord told me this whenever I was preparing this message, I think that there are some people here today who it, it used to be powerful for you. It used to be like you were under the rain, walking with God, revelation, hearing his voice, the word coming alive. And somewhere along the line, for whatever reason or reasons, the ground just started to get dry. And it got parched. And it's getting barren. All those plants went from green to brown. 
God wants you to understand something today. You see, he reigns not only steadily, but he also promised his people when they went off course, I'll bring back the rain and I'll revive the ground. And I believe that there's somebody here today that the Lord is saying he wants to revive the ground. He wants to revive the ground. He's ready to make it rain again. Heavens have been opened. He's just calling you back to a place of faith. Shed that umbrella. Do away with those irrigation trenches. And rely on for your every need and breath and day and moment. Supernatural provision instead of worldly solutions. Yeah, it's going to require you to live in a place of faith. Oh, but it's exciting. It's exhilarating and it's adventurous. And once that steady rain begins to flow in your life and help you see the things that only God can do in and through you and the results that only he can bring, how could you ever even be satisfied with the natural things that the world can offer anymore? I've tasted of what's there and I can't go back anymore. I believe God is saying to somebody today that he wants to revive the ground that you're working in. You know, you notice this is a wonderful time of year right now, right? Because for the, for the winter months, it's like all of our grass has been dormant, and a lot of the plants have been dormant. They probably look kind of brown and, you know, grayish color or whatever. But isn't it interesting how all of a sudden you get two or three days of rain? What happens? It's like colors just explode. I'm like, man, am I seeing things? It's, it's, it's like glowing green out there isn't it when you look out over one of those winter wheat fields or that yard or some of those crops right it rains for a couple days and all of a sudden it's like it's green 25 shades brighter than it just was a day or two ago why because fresh rain can revive the ground it can revive what's there the prophets knew that every generation needed to hear this message for themselves everybody needs to stand on and claim the promises of god but every time it's raining and it's being put out there listen there are people who are hearing for the first time and there are people who are being reminded and revigorated into what can be in their life there are people being made alive and there are people being revived and fresh rain can begin to do that in people's lives Hmm. you know when we drink from the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives regularly it's it's our private relationship with God, right? People don't see that. People don't see your private time in relationship with the Holy Spirit. But I promise you this. I promise you this. If you're saturated, they're going to know about it. What you do in private will be felt in public. I think sometimes people are just walking around dried out. They need some rain before they get out on mission. They need the Holy Spirit. More of God, less of them, right? I know I need that. 
you know, that tells me it means I'm conscious of the balance. Like, my time with God cannot just be this little sliver and little fraction of my life and of my week and think 98% of my week is just pouring out to people and this little sliver is time for God to pour into me. We got to understand that time with God prepares us for what he has for us in ministry. And he has a ministry for all of us, a work of service that's dedicated to him. Last point, point number three, is eternally saturated. And I really wanted to end on this. Because I mentioned a little bit ago that Jesus is, he's coming back for a glorious bride. I mean, there's much there that's a mystery about the way things look when Christ returns. But one of the things that we can see is that the church gets stronger and stronger. To the increase of his government, there is no end, the prophet says. Which means the church, the plants, they're going to continue to grow. They're going to continue to mature. Jesus is going to continue building his church into a place of prominence, strength, and stature. Because his church is the light of the world. It's a glorious church that Jesus returns for. But once he comes back, the era's transition. We move from the church era into the millennial era, the reign of Christ with the saints in a restored earth. Now listen to this. Think about the rain, early rain, latter rain, final downpour, steady rain that we're under that's in, increase and grow, right, as we get stronger. But once Jesus returns, listen to the kind of language that it uses about what the condition of rain water looks like in the eternal period. Habakkuk 2.14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. Psalmist David says, chapter 24, when he says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, verse 7, he says, lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors. He's speaking about the earth. And the king of glory shall come in. Isaiah says the ground begins to bloom like a rose in the desert. So when Christ returns and evil is purged and we are ushered into eternity with him in the presence of God, his glory, his goodness, everything about him, It's just everywhere all the time. I can't even really wrap my head around that. But it's surrounding us in a way where there's nowhere I turn, nowhere I go, where any doubt will interrupt me from that, any fear will push me off course of that, any self-pursuit will change my agenda, everything will be purified, and I will just always be, and you will always be, in the presence and glory of God. It could be like saying, there is just always rain everywhere all around us. Hmm. And you know why I think that's so fascinating? 
Because if you go all the way back to Genesis, before the fall of man, and actually before the flood, what you find is that it never actually rained. I don't know if you knew this. It never rained. The Bible says that. Well, if it didn't rain, how was everything Eden-like? It says that God created a firmament, a canopy of water that surrounded the earth. Moisture saturated everything. Didn't need to rain because everything was perfectly provided for in perfect measure at every interval. When the flood happened, the firmament, I'm not sure, just burst or was taken away. And then it, was, it rained after that. That's how God watered the earth. But before that, his original design for mankind was to live in the firmament. Constant surrounding of his provision. <laughs> Habakkuk says, in the eternal era, the glory of the Lord will fill the entire earth it will be restored back in a way to its original design where us in God's kingdom will always be in the presence of his glory and everything that we would ever meet, need or be met will be provided and we will be eternally sustained and fulfilled completely uninterrupted by anything in the natural world that kind of comes against us right now that says, oh, here, my faith needs to keep staying active because the enemies keep trying to throw me off of understanding the reign that I can live under. Hmm. So you say, well, why, why is that a big deal? Like, I, I mean, I get that, so that's great. That's in eternity. Why is that such a big deal? Well, I think it's a really big deal because it puts a place in our heart to long for the plan that God has for each and every one of us to look forward to. And everything that God promises that we can look forward to, there is an eventual fulfillment of what we can be partially realizing right now by faith according to his promises. So I'll say it like this. The heavens are open, church. God is ready to reign over any son or daughter who is hungry to experience his power and will not resist or reject the things that he wants to do or walk in doubt or unbelief so that we can have the constant flow of God's provision and supernatural power to mark everything that we do in our life. I want my marriage supernaturally empowered. I sure hope it rains on my marriage. Katie needs that. I really... I needed to rain whenever I'm parenting my children. I needed to rain every time I get up in the morning. I needed to rain all of the time. My faith needs to be active. But God is ready. There's an invitation. He is working. We can continue to move forward in faith, but our, our hearts and minds can be still and at peace. You know why? Because God is the one who says, I'll provide for you. We can rest because he never does. He's always working on our behalf. Our faith is engaged in the situation. And he says in Joel, and he says in Acts, I'm going to pour out the rain. And listen, he says, I'm going to pour it on sons. I'm going to pour it on daughters. I'm going to pour it on old. I'm going to pour it on young. I'm going to pour it on maidservants and men servants. This is what he says. And this is what the outpouring of the Holy Spirit did. It broke all of the class systems and everything wide open. Now, all of a sudden, women will not be 
be withheld from empowerment of spiritual things and leadership in God's family. Now all of a sudden, the young people are not restricted by their youth to step into places of ministry and be used in the kingdom. But old people, it's not too late. There's still work for you to do. Men servants and maid servants represent a social class of people. There are people out there who feel like they are less than because of their economic status or social status or anything like that. And God says, that none of that means anything with me. And there's no partiality with God. I will reign on everybody who wants to reign. Oh. And so the end time when God returns. I meant to do this earlier. If, If this is the sponge, right? And this is, let's say, the earth or even our soul. And this is what's available. We can get a little bit, and this sponge is all dry, right? That just represents a life disconnected from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, of what God can do. But if that life gets drenched, and you see it's just soaking it up, it's just getting saturated on the inside and on the outside. I wanted to kick the sprinklers on right now for illustration, but the fire marshal didn't think that was really appropriate. And I'm really considering throwing this at Don right now, too, because that would be really fun. When pressure comes, when I get hit with attacks, when the enemy throws something unexpected at me, when somebody misjudges or accuses me what happens when I get hit what's in me comes out (laughs) so if that's true I better be full would you agree we better be full amen would you bow your heads and close your eyes I'd like to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit right now, what are you saying to me? If you don't know this, I just want you to understand that Jesus said, my sheep will know my voice. God wants to speak to us. For me, most often, it's the still small voice in my inner man. what is God saying to you right now this is the place where the Holy Spirit does what only he can do I don't know your whole story I don't know what you're going through right now chances are nobody really knows the full extent of everything but there is one who does in fact he not only knows everything that you know but he knows infinitely more than He sees the things that you don't see. He sees the ways that he's in front of you and behind you, that he's surrounding you, that you cannot even fully comprehend. So I just ask you today, friend, would you ask God, what are you saying to me right now? And my prayer for you would be that you would have the courage to see it through.
whatever it is. Because when God moves, transformation occurs. And when you get yourself in God's hands and he begins to work with you, transformation is the outcome. You will be different. Will you allow God to work and do what he wants to do?